0: Hey, everybody. Zooming in today, our special guest is Ryan Westcott, who has quite an extensive real estate experience, both uh, in the on the contracting side of things, in the investor side of things, and the property management side of things, multifamily, long-distance real estate investing, long-distance management, you name it. He's been involved in it and is involved in it. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Great to have you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me here, Dave. I appreciate it.
0: All right. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you transitioned from, you know, helping other people who are investing in real estate and REITs and whatnot to actively doing it yourself.
1: Yeah. So I actually, um, I grew up and uh, my father ran a construction company. So I had a tremendous background. Uh, growing up framing, uh, working on student housing and stuff like that. And then I ended up working Is that, is that of,
0: called child labor? Was yes. That, yeah, those, basically. Yeah. Started those at a smart young guys age. that put you to work from an early age.
1: Absolutely. Nice. So yeah, I got to see firsthand what a lot of investors were doing on the other side of things. So, you know, we were framing student housing and doing duplex and triplex conversions and stuff and seeing the returns they were making. So I figured, you know, I need to get on the other side of the equation. So my brother and I started investing in single family houses and uh, it worked well, having a lot of experience in construction to be able to burr properties and flip them along the way. So when when did
0: you start with that? When did you and your Brian, your, your, your brother start doing it? Yeah. I
1: had a slow start. Actually. I talked about investing in real estate since I was probably 18 and I didn't buy my first house till 34, if you can believe that. So it's, not been uh, a decade yet, and uh, we're at 50 units. And wow. this year, we're hoping to buy some more buildings well, in New y- Brunswick. You and... made
0: up for lost lost time, then, Ryan. So we'll, y- we'll get yes. You a pass there,
1: <laughs> I'm trying to play catch up. Absolutely, yeah, you're
0: doing a good job with it. All right. So what? That's really interesting. What would you attribute that to? Because again, you grew up around real estate. You fought, saw firsthand what it was all about from you know the construction side of things and kind of returns that you're customers your dad's customers are getting why do you think there was there was a, such a gap between being interested in it and actually taking the first leap
1: you know it's funny i think the the toughest part in real estate is you can read about it um and watch a million podcasts but taking a leap is it's still the biggest investment you'll ever make that i think the right. leap to buy a half million dollar investment just seems monumental at the time and i wish If I had done it all over again, I wish I had met someone where I could partner and kind of walk through the steps. I just think that process would feel a lot more comfortable than taking the leap and doing it all on your own. So I sat on the sidelines forever. And, uh, you know, a lot of family when I did talk about investing in real estate or friends thought it was crazy because everyone's got horror stories about investing in real estate. So the first deal was obviously terrifying. So yeah, it took me over a decade to make a move. And then I just decided I was you know, the fear of regret was kind of bigger than um, the fear of failure that I just really want to, you know, have a conceited go at it. So that that is
0: interesting, isn't it? Fascinating, because your dad was so involved in that. And he was seeing what kind of returns that uh, his his clients were getting. And yeah, you're right, we get stuck in this analysis paralysis thing and this fear. And I like what you said there. Because this is one of the things that I always recommend to people is, hey, you know what, it is scary to get started on your own at first. So sometimes it just makes sense to what I call pay to play, right? So you join forces with somebody who's doing what you want to do and you go in as an investor partner with them or you partner up with them in some way in, you know, if, if you can bring capital to the table, you're a capital partner. If you're like you, that you've got such an extensive construction background, perhaps you bring that to the table, whatever you bring value to the table but not necessarily for a paycheck, but for a piece of the pie, a piece of equity in that deal. And then you're going to be, and then you tell the, especially if you're the investor, you tell the active person, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be passive here. I want to put my money in and I want to tag along and learn from you as you do this deal. Yeah, you're right. right. I think that would just, so if you had been able to do that earlier, you probably would have got started a lot faster, right?
1: Absolutely. And I still believe in that. So yeah. as I progressed, I had a great opportunity to work at a company that renovated apartment buildings for REITs all over nice. the country. And uh, that was great experience. And that's kind of what, I guess, uh, got me started in multifamily investing. And they're doing it on a grand scale, obviously. Like, they don't buy anything under 100 units. So I started doing that small scale. But I still believe in that model. So I'm interested in purchasing in the States. I'm buying in New Brunswick on my own anyway. but. Um, Glenn Sutherland and uh, Marcin Droze, Um, mm-hmm. they are training people right now to buy in the states, and it's a little more hands-on. So I still believe in that, and that's one of the goals this year is to work with them to buy an, a, an apartment building down in Texas.
0: Very cool, very cool. So, so Ryan, tell us, walk us through. So, how long before you and/or you and your brother switched over from single-family homes into multifamily properties?
1: Uh, we invested in single-family homes all the way up until COVID started. Actually, because there were still good opportunities in Ontario, we could always find a, a good off-market deal, and it made a lot of sense that you could just boost the equity with a great renovation. And then when the prices skyrocketed in Ontario, I'm sure you had the same in BC. There, it just seemed very difficult to make the numbers work that yeah. I feel all investors were looking for new opportunities. And like a lot of investors, they were either flocking to the East Coast or to parts of Alberta. So I looked around and um we chose New Brunswick. So we're investing in the Moncton area and shidiac and the surrounding areas.
0: Yeah, very cool. So <clears throat> what did your multifamily, well, first of all, we say we, so is it still you and your brother kind of tag teaming this or yeah. So I've partnered posts? up
1: with a few people over the years, like different mm-hmm. realtors that I've met over the years, uh, family members and some friends. And, uh, usually it's not relationships that you just met at a conference and, you know, deals don't happen that fast, but it's people that I've met. And then you kind of forge a relationship over time. Mm-hmm. And I think you build a rapport and some trust and, and then, you know, sometimes the deals happen, but I think the relationship for, in my experience has always come first mm-hmm. rather than just, Meeting someone, I don't think it's a quick process. It's building a relationship and a rapport, and then the other stuff follows.
0: All right, so that first multifamily deal that you that you did in New Brunswick during COVID, maybe walk us through that. What kind of a property was it? You know, how did you do that? Especially because it was COVID and the Maritimes were completely shut down. There was you you probably weren't able to go in and see the property, inspect the property, do any of that kind of stuff in person.
1: No, it was all sight unseen, basically. So. Again, I was interested in investing in the States, but because you couldn't go down there, I thought, well, at least Atlantic Canada's one step closer. But you're right. You couldn't go there at the time. It was closed down. Um, but I thought if I was setting up a team, I was going to make it worth my while. So the first year, we actually bought three buildings, a four-plex, uh, 2005 construction, and then 2 sixplexes that were like mid-70s construction. And basically, um, I talked to realtors who were out there, and you know, I had to let them know that I was quite serious um, about buying and obviously not all uh, realtors were willing to just deal with someone who was going to potentially buy something sight unseen. But there was a couple right. of guys that we built some rapport and they would go out and obviously do like a video walkthrough. And with, you know, like Zoom and, you know, FaceTime and everything, it's made all this stuff so much easier. So I could get a video walkthrough of the property and hopefully they're going to try and show you all the stuff that needs repairs and not trying to avoid that area but we would get an inspection which you could do at the time so any anything that was you know a major issue was going to get hopefully picked up in the inspection and you know we, we didn't have to make any adjustments based on that anyway most of the buildings were in good shape and uh, we proceeded like that so there's been some small surprises you know, with the buildings. Um, but for the most part, the process worked pretty good. So the video walkthroughs and then an inspection, and I think most of our bases were covered.
0: Good. So what does the portfolio look like right now, Ryan, that that you're up to right around 50 doors? What, uh, what kind of mix of single family homes versus multifamily do you have right now?
1: Yeah, I think we still have eight houses in Ontario and we're looking to liquidate some of that stuff this year. It just seems to make sense. If we have a half million dollar asset in Ontario, it's not returning a lot in the way of cash flow or rent. So, for the same price out there, you could almost own a whole building. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we have about 40 units in New Brunswick, um, a mix of mid '70s units up to newer construction. But um, right now, again, like the market has really increased a lot out there on older buildings. So we're looking yeah, at every, constru- everybody
0: jumped on that bang way. Bang Absolutely. Way. Yeah.
1: So I think a lot of people are looking at new construction with the CMHC financing, getting 40 year amortization. And uh that's what we're looking at this year is buying some new construction. So I'm, I'm working with some builders and uh mortgage broker who can do like the MLI select program and uh knock on wood. We'll see how that goes. And I, I got my real estate license in New Brunswick now as well. So I thought, it looks very attractive, I think, from an Ontario or BC perspective to be able to buy brand new townhouses for $260,000. And uh, yeah, and then we're also looking in the States, which uh, the landlord laws are obviously very friendly down in Texas, just like New Brunswick versus Ontario or BC.
0: Okay. So what are, you, what are your goals for the next year or two, Ryan? Where do, where do you see your real estate investing going over that time?
1: Um, I think repositioning our Ontario portfolio. So we'll maybe keep a few properties, um, but I think we'll continue to look for opportunities in Atlanta, Canada, New Brunswick, maybe Nova Scotia, and then in Texas. And I don't want to spread myself too thin in too many markets. I think once yeah. you find a team, you have a bunch of guys you can trust. It just seems easy to keep building. Like if I wanted to stop buying New Brunswick today, deals keep falling in my lap anyways, because I've, you know, I've got a, quite a few properties there, but um. I find Edmonton and Calgary attractive as well. If I wasn't buying in New Brunswick and didn't have a team, I'd also be looking in Alberta.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So what have been some of the headaches or hassles that you've come across in this process, especially with the uh, investing from afar in, in New Brunswick? I think
1: this isn't going to be the case for all trades and property managers, but I think there's going to be a small percentage that think because you're out of province, you're not going to pay a lot of attention. And we did go through two property management companies that were highly recommended. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my due diligence. So all of a sudden, I'm getting bills for grass that's not cut because my tenants are showing me pictures that it's a foot long. And then we're getting bills for uh, garbage removal meanwhile the city does the garbage removal like it's, so it's not an additional service that's being provided by the property management company oh, uh, so it didn't go well so we actually ended up hiring someone part-time and we're basically building our own in-house property management company and uh, we've I, I spent two months out in New Brunswick uh last fall so I was there actually uh July and August then I went back in October November celebrate right before Christmas And we've got trades and stuff out there now. And I I don't want to grow really big because I think that's some of their mistakes is I don't think they're intentionally trying to be negligent, but I think they grew too big, too fast, and they're not organized. So we're building our own team in-house. That was a, a big challenge to overcome. And that hasn't been easy, but we have more control over the properties.
0: Most definitely. That's interesting, Ron. You're the second guy I've spoken to in as many days Wow. That has started his own property management company just because same idea, same challenges. The other person was actually also based in Ontario, but investing in small town Ontario, okay. and they couldn't get any good property management there, so they've they've had to dial in their own systems. And then then they had other investors approaching them saying, "Hey, how do you do this?" And they ended up taking on people like that. So, you know, I know it's early days, but when it comes to your New Brunswick property management company. Where do, you, where do you think you need to get that to where it kind of makes sense as a business on its own? I mean, um, for me, it's making
1: sense for me because I think my properties are performing much better. Like we're hmm. controlling the rents, We had higher turnover because tenant uh, issues weren't being addressed and uh, maintenance wasn't being addressed. But um, I think, again, my goal isn't to grow this huge and make a ton of money off it. But I think I wouldn't want to be the, the lowest cost provider either. But if there's other investors out there who are interested in maintaining their properties properly, like that's the type of landlord I want to be, yeah. um, you know, I'd be happy to deal with them. And uh, I, I'd so like so to be right like now a,
0: you're really just focusing on getting this part-time person dialed in for managing your portfolio exclusively. And then once that's up and humming and, and going along, then you might consider bringing on some outside. Well, we're, we're working well.
1: on it. So I've got a, a bookkeeper now to make sure we're all organized. And uh, we have someone who's actually creating a website right now. So the company's called Catalyst Property Management. The website's uh, not up and running yet. But yes, uh, we'll certainly be taking on other investors. Like we already have enough work to keep her busy most of the time. But, you know, I think we can probably handle another hundred units or so, with without any with the issues team that you so, already have. Yeah. yeah,
0: cool. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Cool, Ryan. So, um, financing all of these properties—have uh, you got super deep pockets? You've been doing this all, you and your brother, <laughs> or, have, or have you been bringing on joint venture partners or investors along the road? What What does that look like?
1: Yeah, the financing has always been challenging. Um, and I think that the lending environment keeps changing. So I remember the first property we bought, you know the first one's always the hardest. I feel like you everyone begs borrows and steals to try and do their first property. And then I think we bought our second, and funny enough, when we were trying to buy our third, uh, the market was really hot in two thousand and seventeen. We had put in multiple offers, and out of like maybe six, we had two that both accepted. And I was like, oh, well, maybe we'll try and close both. And CIBC at the time, they had a special program that if you bought, had four properties, they looked at you as a, an experienced investor. So the loan to value numbers were a little bit different. And it's just a fluke how it happened. So they said, well, it's too bad you weren't buying your a third and a fourth property because you know the numbers work a little better. I'm like, oh, coincidentally, we have two accepted offers. So they couldn't finance the third one, but if we bought two, somehow that could make that work. So that's fine. but along the way, we've done some joint ventures. Um, we've used hard money or private money lenders. and um, right now we're dealing with a mortgage broker that can get CMHC financing. So I think that's very helpful in an environment where interest rates are very high. So we have a mortgage that just renewed unfortunately at these really high rates. So the rate is going to be over seven percent. And through CMHC, um, we'll get instead of a 25-year amortization, it will probably be 40 years, and we're looking at a rate of four and a half percent. So on That's a three million-dollar mortgage, it's it's massive savings for us.
0: Yeah. So moving ahead, what do you what are you planning on doing for raising capital to do more deals to to either uh, you're saying you're doing purpose-built stuff in in the, the maritimes now in New Brunswick? Yes. What, what are what are your plans? And also for the stuff that you're looking to do in the, in the U S.
1: Well, I guess I'm probably talking to the right guy to be raising capital. So, (laughs) you know, maybe follow up with you after the call as well. But um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are very interested in looking at alternate markets outside of Ontario. So I think the numbers look attractive that I'll be trying to do joint ventures um, with friends and family and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe some, um, you know, notes as well, or like debt. Yeah, that I'll take on just to purchase properties.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a good way to grow for sure, Ryan. So well, you say you've already worked with a couple of joint venture partners in the past, are they still involved in the deals? Or have you cashed them out already? No,
1: they're still involved in the deals. Um, oh. And so far, knock on wood, like all my joint ventures have gone pretty well. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of joint ventures that haven't gone well so i think in speaking to other people um it's maybe important to have make sure you have the same mindset because i think you can make a legal agreement and i think when it comes to legal documents i feel like it's not worth the paper that it's written on because when push comes to shove if you have to end up in court nobody's gonna win anyway it's a lose-lose situation so yeah the lawyer
0: the lawyers do quite well yeah yeah they're the (laughs) only people that
1: come out ahead right yeah So I think making sure you have the same mindset and you have the same goals that, you know, if if someone wants to make sure, you know, like I like to, you know, spend money and make sure we have properties that are in good shape, whereas someone else might want to, you know, pinch every penny and make sure that, I don't know, they cash flow every month. Whereas to me, like, we have good appreciation, we have good equity. You know, I, I want to be dealing with good properties that attract good tenants. So that's yeah. and so far my joint venture partners are of the same mindset. So
0: well that's that is so important. You're absolutely right, Ryan. I think um I think a lot of times newer capital raisers kind of tiptoe in and they're a little bit too subservient to their potential joint venture partners and they they bend over backwards for their partners' whims, right? Versus I think, especially at your stage right now, you've got the experience, you've got the track record, you've got the team, you got it dialed in. You're in a position where, positioned properly, you can be seen as the guy, as the authority, as the expert. And it's not that you're going to pound your chest and come across as a jerk, but it's kind of like, here's my program, here's how it works, here's your involvement, here's my involvement, does that make sense to you? It's not not trying to bend your program to your investors' you know wants or or qualms or or what have you. It's a matter of showing them how your program works, and it's just very simple. Are you in or are you are you out, right? it's it's right. So it's really important. But yeah, I think actually the a really good joint venture agreement is absolutely vital. You're right if you go to court the only ones that, that win are, are the the lawyers but it's not even so much for that it's to prevent ever having to go to court in the first place right by completely understanding your your role their role who the final decision maker is time frames and then also how the heck to get out of the deal early if if that's required sort of thing so all of yeah. those things can just prevent all of that all of that legal stuff in the first place, but here's a good, here's the tip I got for you Mm -hmm. right now. You've got a a few joint venture partners that you're working with that are, things are going along nicely. I would highly recommend that if I don't know if you have regular meetings with them or reporting sessions with them or once a year, once a twice a year, whatever that looks like, but try to get those partners on an individual zoom call each kind of like we're doing right now with this interview right? and you record it and you walk them through what's going on with the deal. Right. So you kind of walk them through the reporting. Here's what's happening. Here's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you also get some input from them that you can turn into a testimonial because I tell you what, Ryan, uh, you know, this from business, right? We can pound our own chest, say how great we are, but if somebody else Says, hey, you know what? That Ryan's a, he's a really good guy to work with. That carries so much more weight. So if you if you have the conversation and you ask some kind of open-ended questions like, hey, Ryan, how do you how do you feel about the investment that you're doing with us right now? How does it compare to some of the other things that you've done in the past? You were a little bit nervous getting into this. What are your thoughts right now? Right? How do you how do you feel about? So you're trying to get the conversation going. You're trying to get these little sound bites, and you're recording it. And then at the end, you say something like this. Well, hey, you know what, Ryan? There were some really good things that you said in there. Would you mind if I use some of that stuff as a video testimonial, right? And then you can just take that recording, prop it a little bit, right? Clean it up a little bit. But now you've got a nice a nice testimonial that you can put up on your website that you can refer to other potential joint venture partners to. Um, and it works really, really well. And then on the other hand, if, if they're really nervous, they say, you know what, Ryan? No, I I prefer not to have my video up there. No big deal. Say, hey, no problem. How about if I do this? How about if I just kind of write down what you said that was really helpful, send it to you. And if it looks good, say, go for it. And if it doesn't, if you need to modify anything, go ahead and do that. Can I use that as a written testimony? If they don't don't go for the the video one, they will go for the written one. That's great
1: advice. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome, my friend. Well, hey, you know what? You're doing some amazing stuff. Hats off to you. I love the fact that you're, you know, uh really focusing on where it makes sense to buy your properties versus just in your own backyard. You started there when that made sense. Yeah. It got to the point where there's just no way that those kind of properties are going to cash flow. So you made the you created the team, you took the leap. You were nervous about getting into real estate investing in the first time, but I tell you what taking the leap and, and investing at a distance and creating the team and cre- creating the management company all from a distance, that takes some some pretty big cojones there, my friends.
1: So, <laughs> well, certainly the that. technology has certainly made it a lot easier these days. That's for sure.
0: I know, but I think so many other people are just, you know, they're too scared to, to do something like that. So yeah, credit where credit's due. If people well, want to connect you. with you and find out more, Ryan, where should they go or what should they do?
1: You know, there's not too many Ryan Westcotts out there. So I'm working on my social media on Instagram and Facebook. So you'll probably find me. There's myself and there is another Ryan Westcott out there. I'll tell you, I tried to buy his domain like seven years ago and he was a high school kid and it was all about making rockets. And he's actually made good with it. He wouldn't sell it to me for like seven grand. And I've seen a TED talk of him now uh, about rockets and stuff. So I'm not the... Uh, not, I'm the, the rocket, r- not the rocket. No, rockets I'm not the I rocket Westcott. Ryan Westcott. I'm the real estate Ryan Westcott. <laughs>
0: Awesome, my friend. Well, hey, really good getting to know you and keep up the good work.
1: Thanks very much, Dave. Great speaking with you.
0: All right, everybody, take care and we'll see you on the next episode.